laugh so suddenly and so sharply that that's the point you can use to align the two forms of media. Or, or we could just do one clap, but if we just do one, then I think that's well, It's not my fault. Your timing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So should we go? Okay. Wait, so I, I will say one, two, three, and then we'll do a clap. Okay? So is it one, two, three, clap, or one, two, three? What is the difference between those because two? Because one things? is where you clap on three, and one is where you clap after three. Oh, they sounded the same to me. See, this is a problem. <laughs> okay, so then the clap is like the equivalent of number four. Okay. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So, one, two, three. They aren't paying me enough to work with these retarded children. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to start identifying as a retarded person over a disabled person to make neurotypical people feel uncomfortable. I feel pretty comfortable with you doing that. Although I could never, I would never feel comfortable talking about you. Like that's the point. It, that's the point. Yeah. It's it's a point yeah. is to problematize people's assumption that they can represent the experience of disabled people by just being like, actually, I can't neatly or coherently talk about this because otherwise, what happens is is that there's an ecology of disability and disability access that exists within people with privilege within institutions that exists independently of the way that disabled people articulate their experiences which comes round to then uh, uh, disabled or any disabled people in the process of representing disability because disability becomes this monosyllabic thing whereas a retarded person it will catch in their throat <laughs> I think that's a great idea <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want. You want it to catch in their throat. Yeah, um, yeah, and be like, we'll be like, yeah, and then, uh, and then I want to say, well, oozing gloop is very, and then they can say, well, oozing gloop is a very problematic uh, experience of disability. Is what they can then say afterwards. <laughs> what to say? So, which is their way of saying that you're disabled in the wrong way. <laughs> to have a problematic. You know, I feel I feel like I'm completely allergic to the word problematic. I hate it. Would you say you find I it hate it so much. Problematic? Well, it is problematic. And you know, the problem with it is that like problematic can be good, right? Mm. Because if it's politics, the idea is that there is a problem and we want to solve it. And recognizing that there's a problem is just just like in uh, in our personal lives, um, uh, as well as in our social, like our public lives, um, like recognizing a problem is the first step to being able to fix it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's also as well the um uh I was watching some like diet thing and I uh saw someone like refer to like um I oh something I know something really it was something really stupid to do with like the way that custarding was custard was packaged as being problematic or something like that and I was just like wow this term really means nothing now. Um when uh and it's also as well the uh I'm reading a really, a return to a really interesting book that I was reading at uh, university. I never got into it and I had, to, I had to stop reading it actually in public because whenever I'd read it in public, I would cry. And it's called Gentrification of the Mind. And it's about gentrification and um, AIDS uh, and how basically there were, the process of gentrification when it was sort of beginning to occur, it was first identified in 1964 by the sociologist Ruth Glass and... Um, 
and so then in the 70s like so it was already under and underway in the 70s etc so then in the 80s basically when the aids crisis hit a process of gentrification that was already underway then uh you know uh it really just went nuts and so lots of these areas where the populations were dying and then being replaced by yuppie couples uh and they go on with these sorts of things and um the term gentrification though is used for uh and so it's called gentrification of the mind because it says what happens to the social landscape in the process of gentrification is that the complex uh relationships of urbanity of urbanity that allow you to see that people different from you exist simultaneously to you are then homogenized by gentrifiers who are then turned and it's turned into this flattening and this very flattened uh, situation that doesn't actually address these things and that their own gentrifiers authority is does not exist and is also the natural order at the same time and so i feel that there's with this term of problematic and that this is a trend this is just a, a humanization of trends within capitalism and so that also with the the process of capitalism uh in critique and the way that critique has been commercialized that the term problematic has come to just mean this sort of like blanket like cural sort of situation of which itself is problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just as a side note, uh, try and, I think, are you touching the table? Uh, I'm touching cloth. Right. <laughs> that is the most, that is the most disgusting expression. It's really bad. <laughs> touching cloth. Oh my God. Um, I, yeah, I think the reason that I don't like it is that it really strikes me as this particular form of like, like left-wing piousness that is so deeply unattractive that it, like it just, just um, it strikes me as so like uncharming and like so unconvincing that it's like, you want to build a mass movement on this? Mm -hmm. Like I was once playing uh, Seven Rings by Rihanna yeah. Um, and, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, like uh, I was and I was DJing, and someone came up, <laughs> and someone this this white German woman came up to me and said something like, "Ich finde das super problematisch," <laughs> and then I was just like, <laughs> like because it's also someone sort of like heckling me at work. <laughs> I was just like, "Sorry, you're gonna have to say that in English," <laughs> and then she was like. Uh, she was like, oh, it's just that I think it's really problematic that you're playing this song. And I was like, are you asking me to stop playing this song and to play a different one instead? And she said, yes. And I was like, okay, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And then she was like, ha! <laughs> like, like blank face, like shocked face. And then walked away. And it was just like, like I love this. Yes. I think that, that this is, I love open confrontation. I think that it's like, <laughs> I love, I love direct, the, the, it's like with the open, because with an open confrontation, you allow me the possibility of disagreeing with you and that we can both have, you know, yeah. non-congruent realities rather than this, like, well, we all have to be, and it's like this, um, rather than we all have to be these super flat, like integrated uh, uh, beings, which is like uh, bullshit. Like the term problematic as well is because it's also, very much around the idea of oh that's problematic and then with white fragility and the white savior complex as well uh that 
goes into sort of like that is the underpinning of many people's motivation to become a good leftist in the first place means that um if something's bad if something is a problem and also the inherent functional functionality of capitalism and the, pro, and the process of neoliberal self-optimization means that if something is a problem in some way it's automatically bad and that for me to be good i must move away from that problem but what the yeah, original yeah. notion is that that there is a problematic is that actually it's something it should it's problematic really is about the idea of staying with the trouble it's actually yeah well it's like yeah it's like trouble also like gender trouble staying with the trouble like a lot of the like the theories that these people think that they're quite heavily influenced by are very much into the idea of sitting with the problem yeah um yeah 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 and yeah but like and i also think this like the, the right takes this tendency in some parts of the left and then magnifies it like and makes it a much bigger deal than it actually is uh so like that's why we get these in- international stories about some silly like resolution that a student union adopted uh somewhere in the u.s um so like i mean i, I definitely don't want to fall things, in- <laughs> well i don't want to fall into the trap of being like this is the biggest problem with the left order because it's like it's not but like um uh, but I, it's just, it's such a deeply unsexy attitude. Yeah, no, but like, I, it's, yeah. it's like pe- people who really get off on pointing out that something's problematic. And also if it's a problematic, if it's problematic enough, like if something's problematic enough for you to refer to it as being problematic in a very sincere and earnest way, mm-hmm. then it should be problematic enough that you can name what the fucking problem is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rather, I think this is it, is that actually is that problematic is, it, I think this is really the, the nub, the nub, the nipple of the situation is that problematic is a supplementary term to be added on to a process of critique because it's also as well like something you could say as well is that um oh i know for example like uh in a just like the gay bars are super problematic in like many ways and stuff like that but we still go to them we still exist there we still support them and do all of these things it's like but like there's uh within that and then there's a, a way of like working with that whereas it's just being like this is the problem it's like this again it's this process of critique that offers nothing and then also yeah. also in the process of it offering nothing it also does this kind of like it also has like a quite a guilty sense of participation as well it says that yeah it's like it's probably and that's just not se- that's that's not sexy that's just flat out not sexy people like no. embracing who they are and like living their living their truth, as it were, is sexy. And people just being like chirking from the responsibility to personhood is not sexy. Um, so I have a proposition. Yeah. Um, so the theme for today was supposed to be headaches, but I think the theme should be problematic. I was about to say. That, well, the thing is, though, is I find this whole discussion around problematic what is and isn't problematic is just giving me a headache. <laughs> Look at that segue! Bang! <laughs> yeah, I guess this is, we should introduce ourselves. So I, I am Queen of the Heavens and of the Earth, Empress of Despair, Architect of Your Eternal Suffering, Olympia Bukakis. And you don't deserve it. I'm using glue. <laughs> and you're listening to our podcast, Slurry! 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 I, I think we're really, we've been searching for a stylized way to like say the name of our podcast. And I don't think that we've hit on it yet. No, and I, I actively want to refuse this territorialization. Is it territory? <laughs> is that territorialization? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, 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 I believe that uh, 
yeah, we don't need to look like, no, like, I understand that, like, for the hashtag branding of the situation, that should exist. And that's something that um, uh, I seek to resist. Huh? Oh, well, wait, what? Oh, oh, that rhymed. Oh, no, it didn't rhyme. It was the same word twice, wasn't it? No, it was exist, resist. Oh, bang, yeah, bang, okay. bang. Because <laughs> a spit slick game. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, what? Spit slick game? That is uh, a line from Azalea Banks. Who uh, just posted... I love her. I, I love, love her. her. The, like, the more problematic she <laughs> gets, like, the more I love her. Like, has she just got really trigger happy with the word faggot? I was yeah. like, I'm just, I'm just here for this. I don't know. She also, <laughs> apparently, she also, like, gets into, like, very severe fights with, like, 12 and 14-year-olds on Twitter. And will be like, Fuck <laughs> yeah. you. But she did just post on her Instagram, like, man, I want to snort uh, an eight ball of coke and get fucked while I'm having, uh, fucked in the ass while I'm having a nosebleed. And then the next post in the story was um, something like that Coke, uh, that Coke anal sex combination just hits different, uh, just hits differences. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That is definitely a pandemic vibe. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I also just like, given like the hyper policing uh, that like, uh, that women of color face. Yeah. Uh, and especially like, like, um, when, like, because everyone really wants to come down hard at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, 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 like, it's like the IMF yeah. caused the deaths of, like, hundreds of thousands of children, like, through the fucking financial practice. Get angry about something that matters, you cunts. Yeah, and also, like, if letting, like, one famous black woman use, like, like say the word faggot, like, that, like, 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 white American gay men, and then by extension, like... Uh, like gays all over the world stole their entire way of being from black women. So yeah. like, let one let let one black woman be less than perfect for like five minutes. You know, yeah, it's just like I'm so unconvinced by that. People are like oh, shock. Like, <laughs> although I at one point did say, oh, I at one point said uh, broke with Azalea Banks, but that was when she flirted with becoming a Trump supporter. Yeah, but I think that this is also, this is, this is, yeah, like, Azalea Banks is problematic, but also we, like, <laughs> like, in that sense, like, but also that I feel like I can, um, and it's also this idea of, like, we should, we, we've completely lost the ability to disagree with each other effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I don't, I just say that as, some, you know, it's like, and then we've, we've lost that, and then as uh, someone who, uh, uh, is like neurodiverse and therefore struggles with like understanding like certain social codes and stuff like that and certain like uh, intrinsic things. It means at some point they're always going to be uh, policed or or seen as failing in this aspect kind of thing, which like just leads me to just withdraw from a lot of situations, to be perfectly honest, and just not try to um, because also as well as the uh, because the series of linguistics. Uh, because our linguistics and modes of operation change so rapidly, uh, which I'm also, you know, and also in a certain sense, like I don't necessarily need to be involved in this. This isn't meant to be like a playing the victim, like self-pitying, like woe is me situation. It's just saying that like, there's also other people who rely on these things. It's just like, we just, we should be able to break ground to each other. We should be able to get angry with each other. We should say that that was fucked without sort of like, it's like we have a complete, uh, no way of dealing with separating out systemic and individualized phenomena. Yeah, actually, I think that's, 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 you hit the nail on the head. Like, that's true in so many different ways as well. Mm. Because, like, so often uh, we have these, like, really, uh, like, large scale, massive crises, mm -hmm. uh, like, 
uh, and then uh, because elites or those with power uh, don't want to do the thing that would be necessary to fix that problem, they come up with the idea that like individual action uh, is the thing that should solve this. So like yeah. the whole idea of recycling is just total bullshit. It was right? actually, um, yeah, the individual... And yeah. it was... Ca- it, it was like the idea that individuals need to recycle yeah, yeah, yeah. was an initiative that was uh, largely pushed uh, and funded by these companies who were making a lot from this uh, like single use packaging. Yeah. So um, it's also that your like your car, your personalized carbon footprint was a concept fun- developed and funded by BP. Exactly. Exactly. And the um, uh, what else was it? It was. Um, Oh, Boris Johnson, uh, last March, uh, when he, when like the, the British government was doing fucking nothing about coronavirus, Mm. uh, he was telling people, I think it was like, it was, I think thousands were already dead. Um, was it in the UK? I don't know the numbers. I, as I've said many times in the show. (laughs) Sorry. I am. (laughs) Did you, are you following the fish debate in the UK? Uh, No. So basically there was this big idea that like there was a very contentious process in the debating thing about ownership of the waters and fishing rights. And which Mm -hmm. as well, it's also that there was whatever percentage part of a billion or something of the fishing industry was at stake. But it's also it's also that the UK is losing another certain set of billions in the art sector as well. So it's completely false economy just for these things. But there was this very, very big, big symbolic debate around this thing. And then now, because there was so much confusion, everything's done so badly, these fish that were so hard fought over have been fished and now they can't be brought in time. So there's lying in piles rotting. And so there's just piles of corpses. Yeah, corpses rotting from uh, fishing stock and coronavirus cases. But ding ding dis like oh wow yeah that's the way it makes it. it's like the UK is the the country with the highest infection rate per capita in the world oh more so than the US yes because the US has more overall but it has a much larger population okay so yeah I'm also Was sure it... if you looked at certain sections of the US as well that there would be certain factors in which you know uh, certain things that this would be yeah completely out of control or whatever but um. Well, the thing that Johnson was saying about, uh, like, when he was, like, he openly said something about herd immunity or whatever, and he said, but what the best thing that we can do against this virus is to wash your hands and, like, blah, blah, blah. So, like, um, it's really the case in so many different uh, arenas that, like, people in power uh, or people with power who want to avoid an inconvenient but effective collective solution propose meaningless individual action. Mm. And then I think one of the things that's happened, especially people who access their left-wing politics through university, which I did, um, is uh, that you become sort of convinced that, like, the project of, like, uh, of liberation or, or whatever, it's like, starts inside you like that like it's very easy to internalize this idea that we need to be constantly checking ourselves like to have this really hyperactive superego mm. uh and <clears throat> it's uh, like it's true that the problems that we face are like complicated but it's like 
Um, be the change. I think. Yeah. Well, it's. I guess it's. I guess I'm not saying. I guess I'm staying with the trouble there and saying like it is equally important to be open to have these uncomfortable discussions. Yeah. But at the same time, that's not an attractive prospect. Uh, like, to 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 convince a majority of people that like <laughs> that they that they like need to live with this like this ongoing state of paranoia yeah. that like one is going to make a mistake. So like if if like I guess then it's like it's yeah it's just a real problem. It is problematic. Well, it's also as well is that then because there's also lots of things as well like it's like one makes a mistake and then one's going to get cancelled. Oh my god, I'm going to cancel this like undemocratic process. But like there's also the there's lots of. Um, and lots of lots of the the, the stuff from uh, stuff of cancel culture and stuff like that, I think that like arose from certain sections of like uh, of like certain uh, black feminists on Twitter. I can't like uh, get it straight away, but I've seen it things and like, and also this idea is like is it and I think the very legitimate notion is it cancel culture or is it sparkling consequences? And this is also the reason why <laughs> cancel culture has emerged is because of the complete lack of accountability processes. So you've so it's actually the fact that the systems of power and domination in the first place ha- are so exclusive that the only thing left is to do or for the left is to just be like I can't engage in this because once because there's a whole labyrinth to go around to get to sweet butt fuck nothing on the inside. Like for example the Paris Acc- the Paris Acc- uh, accords or the Paris climate accords or whatever it is. Every single target has been missed by every single signatory Mm, so the amount mm. of people and resources that worked on this who spent their lives working on this who like uh spent 10 15 years working on this writing out the legislature doing all of these things it's like for that to just not be held up in any way shape or form like cancel the fuckers fuck them like (laughs) right now like fuck it like get rid of it but at the same time uh it's also the uh, there's this notion basically if we to Zizek talks about the idea of Lacanian jouissance and that basically in the seventies after the it's to do really with the May sixty eight sixty nine process where there was a sudden like big revival of counterculture and leftist culture and these sorts of things uh, in this within students and within within capitalist societies as well as that we went from having like and that leftism went from being a workers movement to these these sorts of other areas uh, of culture. And then we got lots of things about cultural studies and all this stuff. And, um, but within that as well, there was a big shift in locating jouissance from large collectivized activities, mm-hmm. like a populist, like Hitler rally or like a USSR, like big, like parade of people or like, you know, like a sports game is a really good example of like collective jouissance, but that's all that, that shit. these sorts of like moments of like, Oh my God. Yeah. We're all like, Oh, to this more individualized. And that also, we mm. see that in the explosion of, uh, new religious movements throughout the seventies and stuff like that as well. Like this idea of like, and so that, that culturally that we have shifted the locus of action into this interior space and the, also that the most the, and that this is that we have there's certain eastern philosophers and critics who say that the west took over the world with coloniality but now the east is taking over the world spiritually which like i that's just something that i have seen that's not something that i'm i'm supporting or disagreeing or disagreeing with necessarily that there's this idea that and it but that goes in with a lot of 
very spiritualist processes of like you know the material like the spirit da, 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 blah 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 um but that it's like when when rome invaded ancient greece and then the result was that the romans stopped being such uncivilized swine yeah. <laughs> sort of i think there's a, there's this sort of idea that whether or not that will actually whether or not this big spiritual revolution will occur before the material colonial west has uh made the planet uninhabitable it remains to be seen um but uh, the options definitely there on the table um, and but I think that the point is leftist politics aren't immune from the culture that it's within you know like and that all of these other processes of like where we mm. also mm. all of our conversations where we're finding these sorts of things and then this idea that that leftism then becomes this the interior spiritual program as well yeah. is something that has happened in many parts of our lives yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Uh, this is like, it's, <clears throat> it's a manifestation in the inner functionings of uh, like the so-called left, because like, like we don't really have everywhere, like big mass movements of the left, mm. or almost anywhere. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that this is like that logic has been applied to that. And I guess that makes me think, I realise, because I've often been afraid of being cancelled. Uh, and like, really? Because I, I was cancelled in, in, in university. Were you cancelled in university? Uh, was yeah. it because you threw a condom yeah. out a window and it hit someone? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dear listeners, no. Olympia tried to get away with just telling this story before we hit record, but you threw a condom out a window and I have so many questions. One, was it a used condom? I'm just not going to answer any of your questions. Oh, why? Are you afraid of being cancelled? What's your fear? Sparkling consequences, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like the person that the condom landed on is going to find out who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine okay. if like a used, a used condom with shit on the outside and come on the inside just dropped on you from the fourth oh. floor? No, I'm not going to imagine that. That's disgusting. Close your eyes. Take a no. deep breath in. <laughs> oh my God. Condom like, hits. Re- remind me to lev- never let you put, like, subject me to one of your guided meditations. <laughs> Which I actually <laughs> just had in my show this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, the, wait, oh uh, yeah, no, I know. you I were cancelled. No, how were you cancelled? You weren't cancelled throwing condom out the window, you condom loving well, bitch. Because I, I was very chatty, uh, like in well, I was. I you used to take I a lot of MD, man. Quite chatty. No, I, like that is also true. <laughs> um, but uh, um, no, I oh, think you were because... chatty. You should have just been a podcast. <laughs> I was. Uh, I was the queer officer of the student union. Yeah. Uh, elected unopposed, but still a democratically held office. Um, and uh, like Stalin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was one of two. So like, it was me and this other person. And the queer department, along with the women's department, held a feminist reading group. Mm. And I was really, uh, I was studying gender studies and was really excited about doing that. And then I would talk a lot in the meetings and get really enthusiastic. Um, And then one day the women's officer brought a text for us to read today, uh, read on that day, which is, see, you can tell that I'm regressing because I'm starting to speak in the present tense. Oh my God. Um, And uh, and it was like... um, why men need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I was the only one in the room with a penis, right? <laughs> and I talk a lot. Um, and um, I guess I, well, yeah, like I have made a profession of dominating a conversation. So like I have the capacity to do that. Um, but I like, I was 
like I was think I was 19 and, um, <laughs> and and it was very clear that like this was directed only at me and so we had an entire meeting which was about how I needed to stop talking so much I mean that's Without- kind of next level that's that's I mean I'm kind of into this as well because that's also yeah. not cancelling someone that is, no 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 this is this isn't that that's com- this is amazing else. this is I mean like this is a stunt <laughs> this was just like it made me like Shut the fuck up. This, like, it just, like... It was so funny. (laughs) Yeah, I, um, I one time was, uh, I said it, I was running a club night, I said it at someone's house afterwards, like, next day we had, like, loads of fun, I was, like, hungover, like, kind of still drunk, and we were, like, chatting away, it was, like, super amazing, and then this person didn't message me for ages afterwards, and I was, like, I was, like, have I done something to upset or offend you in some way? And then basically we were, like, actually, yes, you have. Ah, that's kind of good you asked, and I didn't think we expected, and they were just, like... They were saying, and yet, and they, they said in the message, they said, um, for someone who knows so much about the oppression of uh, women, people of colour and something else, they sure don't manage, uh, he surely doesn't, uh, do, he uh, doesn't man- wait, manage to let anyone else from those groups speak. Was this person from one of those the, groups? The, whole, the rest of the household were, yes. Like, like people, but there was like just a queer household. Like, yeah, there were like women there. There were, uh, there was so th- you upset them because you talk too much. Yes, basically, and they were like, uh, or yeah. but we were talking about politics and oppression. I just got too excited about it. I was like, meh, meh, meh. and like, yeah, and I was like, after, and I just looked at that. I thought that's a really unfair thing to say to an autistic person. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and it's also this is just it as well. Is that this this yeah like obviously, but it's also then you're sitting there and explaining that, and then so I just apologized obviously, but it's like this is just it. Is that this whole the whole more the, the basically is it because we've there's this open acknowledgement that we can't actually affect uh, the real power structures of society. Um, mm. We can affect the moral ones, and the moral ones in it's a very consumeristic approach. Like the moral, you know, it's very like. Well, I can't stop these people from doing all of these things, but I can buy the honey that comes from the, the organic bees to like save their life. So I'll do that. So it's like I mean I said this before on this um this yes. and I'm also I'm like I'm also not against this like I'm not really I'm also I think it's fine to hold people to account morally, and I think it's also as well it's fine to it's also but I think that it would just be I think it would be better if that rather than dressing it up with like political rhetoric, you could just kind yeah. of say to it was more acceptable to say to each other, you're being kind of a shitty person right now. Yeah, I well I I totally agree, except I would phrase it slightly different, which is you're doing something that's annoying now because one of the big problems about this whole thing yeah. is if someone does something, then that becomes who they are. And so then we internalize yeah. that logic. And then we say, I need to be a good person rather than I, sh- I should try and do good things because you're not going to be a good person because everyone's a little bit more complicated than that. Right. Yeah. And so like, so like this. Um, and then, so if you're holding yourself and I think I see this play out, if you're holding yourself to this really high standard um, of always saying and doing the right thing and being ready to check your privilege at a moment's notice uh, and, and, and this stuff, and then someone else acts imperfectly, then you're going to get really, really upset with them because it's like, because you set up this idea in your head that it's like, I must be, perfect and then someone else acts less than perfect and then you take out all the frustration that you have with yourself on them Uh, but also as well the other thing is that actually you take out the frustration on them but it does not foster this this approach does not foster uh confrontation 
And that is actually what we have to do with existing forms of power. And there's ways to find healthy ways of confrontation where it's like, you don't have to necessarily be like, I'm going to be the the fucking like thing or something like that. But then also what happens is then is that we do all of these things, we're all morally perfect. And then someone comes along who is probably a quo, a queer bro, uh, comes along and is just basically doing these things. And people are like, oh, I'm I'm so triggered by their behaviours and all of these things. And then actually there's this... (laughs) This one person has had such an outsized influence. No, there's like five quotes. There's at least five, there's five (laughs) to ten quotes. There's five to ten quotes. I'm not just saying there's one that was... uh, uh, and it's also that there's many quotes along the time. I've just never met them. But you know, I've you have met them. Uh, uh, it's about the idea that then what happens is that with all of this process, we don't empower us, each other to take risks. We basically, say, we basically say to each other, it's okay to retreat from things that hurt you. That's what we do. And then it's so that yeah. this idea, uh, at which to a certain extent, yes, that is fine. But... Uh, in terms, you know, on an individual uh, level. And also Mm -hmm. as well is that what we're not doing is we're not creating, like, together, collective structures whereby which we can then have these confrontations uh, or something. Like, for example, a reading group. In this reading group as well, that that was a collective structure that allowed this person to tell you to shut the fuck up without actually having to say it and letting you learn for yourself, which is great. Yeah, yeah. The, the funny thing about that is that I hadn't actually finished that story. Oh, oh no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I am ready. How does it go? No, no. It's just, like, I just, just think it's funny in the context of what we were actually discussing. There was not so much important details. But it was just very funny because uh, I, uh, like, I went through the, the whole meeting and I was just like, mortified because I was like I had no idea that I was having this effect on other people and like in a group situation um uh like at uni at uni I got really really frustrated with uh like with other students because I was like we are all paying for this education and I'm not paying here paying to sit here in a tutorial classroom where no one says anything yeah like, yeah 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 and cuz people are very very ready to like uh talk like to talk down um like the person who dominates a conversation but it's very very and people will say snide things like oh you just love it people will say very like rude things yeah. to someone who talks right and like uh but like i don't ever turn to someone in a conversation and say, you're really not pulling your weight here. I'm going to start doing like, that though, because they fucking need it. I'm bored of it. Like, it's just like, yeah. But it's like, it, and it's like, there are different ways of like being in conversations. And yes, it's annoying when, um, it's when like men like, uh, like take up like a majority of the time um, uh, in a conversation to say nothing. Like that is really annoying. Um, but like, um, anyway, like I, so when I was in these classrooms, uh, I was, uh, I was just like, I would always, cause I would always have something to say. And so I I would like wait 10 seconds, but I was like, I'm not going to wait. Yeah. Like to make sure that I wasn't always the first person that answered a question or something like that. Uh, but after a while it was just like, 
All right, you, you've just got to, like, people have to trust themselves to try and be wrong. And I found it frustrating. But anyway, this wasn't that. But, like, it was that environment that meant that I was just very keen to talk about I was excited about this yeah. stuff. And so I sat there and basically got taught the most passive-aggressive lesson in my lesson of my life, which, like, was such... It was so well executed that, like, I don't have, I don't have a problem with the person who did it. I find it really funny. Um, but, I yeah, I was really mortified after that. But then I was cancelled later on, I think... Um, because I said that um, a certain discussion shouldn't happen online, it should happen in real life, and then I was called out as a sexist. Um, and uh, But it was by a person with whom I'd had a, a friendship breakdown. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, and this is when this is really poisonous, right? Like when uh, personal, uh, like, uh, personal disputes are then politicised, because it, it's like the race for the atom bomb, because it's like, it's, it's a very easy game to play. And like, if you're both kind of intellectually nimble, mm. but not, but without necessarily being smart, I think that's actually the specific kind of person that happens. Like, it's like, well, you did this, and that's how this relates to a systemic thing, and then and then like, and then you know, and then you both end up being sort of like Nazis or something, yeah. you know, like in the way that it's portrayed. Like, there's um, and it's it's really really poisonous when that happens. But I also think that this is like it, it's a problem that's overstated, and so I spent most of my performance career because I never got called out. I don't think I've, I've always been really surprised that I didn't get called out mm. because, uh, because I used to perform really drunk all the time. Um, yeah. but then, and then I would like, and because I, I like improvise and do like what we're doing now, I don't plan all of the things that I say. Um, and it used to be quite volatile. Melbourne in around 2014, I think was extremely volatile. 2016, uh, like was extremely volatile with this call out culture, but like it's then I realized most recently that actually this problem uh, has been blown up by the right. Yeah. Like that this problem is not as big as even we who are inside like this world uh, think it is like, because was- despite the myriad of terrible things that I'm sure that I've said in public, no one has ever attacked me. People have started discussions about this, like things that I spoke about or something that haven't that have been challenging. Like, but like I've never felt like someone has attacked me for something that I've said online, uh, online, uh, on stage, yeah, and online. But that's because you don't actually have authority. Listen, I think no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is it. It's like you. It's like you're not you. You have the talking stick for a moment, right? But it's a performance. Now, the thing is, right, as well, is that then the, it's also that this cancel culture process is something that goes from, like, we are at one end, and it's designed, uh, to the, the, as it should, it should be pointed at the other. It's about TV shows. It's about celebrities. It's about people like Harvey Weinstein, who have authority and use this authority to do things. They were people yeah. with authority it's also as well that like doing a performance to like uh it's really funny because also as well it's that anyone who thinks the left is an echo chamber has clearly never been in a room with a bunch of leftists like so being doing a performance in a room in a uh a room in which there's there's your friends and there's many different nodes of kinship uh within that which is also as well in which there's a shared collective identity of a certain kind of otherness from like a straight life as it were in some way is hugely vastly different to um to a tv show that is seen 
by like 1.6 million people. This is, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. then, then you get 16,000 people from that, like 1% of that uh, calling to cancel. You still have 99% of the audience aren't engaged in that. And yeah. you can see that as you, when you're in the seminar and you're sat there and you're interested in talking and then the 99, the other whatever mass of the seminar had no interest in that is that's because that's the rest of the people watching that thing they don't give a fuck they want to just coast they're coasting through university because they're fulfilling the expectations of their parents and the criteria of a middle class employment market oh my god that's exactly what that was they just didn't care (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i had never considered (laughs) yeah no this is it and also they will all go on to go and do a job from getting that degree that has nothing to do with their degree. They will work in publishing, yeah. they will work in advertising, they will work in all of these things, you know. And they- it was an elite university as well. It was very interesting. I, um, like, I, yeah, like when we started school, like people would, when you would meet people, they would outright ask you what your high school score was. And so I, because I, I grew up in the country and then moved to Melbourne, um, and went to 69. Like... <laughs> Sorry, I just I would immediately reply 69 every time. Like, I would just be 69 is about average, okay? <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. Um, uh, but like, yeah, because this was like it was Melbourne Uni, so it was like one of the like elite unis in Australia. Um, and but because you get like a like a low interest public loan, mm. uh, it's not. It's like, yeah, but also going to a private school means you're more likely to get the score that blah, blah, blah. But that like, it wasn't that like, it was only possible for very wealthy children to go to this university because of the way that the system is structured. But I was really surprised because, um, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, Oxford or Cambridge in the UK, for example, like you can, if you get the score and you come from a like, you know, from like uh, the toilet or whatever it is, like, uh, you can still go there kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and be a novelty. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, a novelty. So, so some uh, amongst the 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 uh, a novel mongrel amongst the inbred elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like oh. I was, I was quite, uh, I felt quite uh, relieved um, when I realised that this is like there is no one waiting in the wings to destroy me, um, like you can chill out. Like there actually is a lot more sort of like good faith, um, uh, in, uh, in like the queer left than I have been led to believe by the way that right wing media like blows up like our silly eccentricities. Yeah. 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 Totally. The- it's also though that it's also that of course that the people who are most likely to, who are the preferred victims of this are right wing media pundits. So of course they're yeah. going to do this as well. It's completely ridiculous. And also as well, if you focus on these interpersonal aspects and you focus on the idea that a student union banned Chinese food because it was cultural appropriation or something like that, you fundamentally <laughs> don't have to engage in the fact that uh, like Jeff Bezos and a bunch of other people who made more money during the pandemic than like the vast majority, than, than, uh, the vast majority of people, 90, like almost the entire population will ever see in their entire lifetime, you know? You don't have to then focus, if you're like looking and be like, oh, look at these crazy leftists, you then don't have to deal with the fact that uh, that Rupert Murdoch, who runs a majority of these uh, things and also a series of other uh, things, has got like 
uh, is got this like completely unjust amount of wealth that basically is creating the very underclass that they are exploiting for these ridiculous media stories. Yeah, as well, like it's like not it's which is like this really sadistic part as well. It's about not giving space because actually, when you give left wing narratives a proper space in society. Uh, people suddenly realise that actually this is a much better way for them to identify. And there's a great thing, mm. like, I, it was a coronavirus, it was a, uh, it was a meme from a, a, a screen grab from a, um, a, conspiracy, a vaccine conspiracy theorist group that was like, someone was saying, literally posting, um, how, would it be possible, maybe, to just expose people to, like, a really small amount of the virus so they could develop immunity? Which is, of course, the way a vaccine works, in mm. which we've gone mm. full circle where this has become such a huge internet discourse that people can get sucked into being anti-vaccine without ever even knowing what it's about and doing these things. And you see this as well, because basically you can just take the majority of left-wing arguments, take out the fact that they're left-wing or they're communist or they're socialist, all these things. You can get like, be like, oh, you, like basically Dolly Parton's song Nine to Five is literally mm. like the ultimate Marxist anthem. And everyone yeah. is, and that is just using, that is not some, that so, what's beautiful about the song is it's not any kind of insight. It's just sharing a bunch of known truths to a catchy tune. And then it's just like, uh, and, and that from there as well, it's just everyone, everyone knows the system's completely rigged and everyone's just going to go, <sighs> well, they have a cup of coffee and then get ready to go and do it again the next day. So it's like that. So mm -hmm. it's very much... Uh, a political manoeuvre not to focus on the social moralistic elements and also to make uh, people feel this is very crucial to make people feel like the left thinks that they are bad people and they don't need mm. to feel that way if they reject leftist arguments <clears throat> yeah 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 so it actually it's a very it's very emo it's about preventing uh, like the emotional solidarity that could uh, produce an intellectual solidarity as well and that also most yeah. people doing these things are very middle class. They've never faced any form of adversity in their life. They can't deal with confrontational working class people. And they don't want, they get scared of that as well. So they don't then share their privilege with these things because they're too fragile. Like, uh, that's the other thing as well. They don't think about how can I create something that integrates two perspectives outside of my own. And they just look for other civilized people to hang around with. Exactly, exactly. Because I, I had a really big, so I was pretty, I was pretty... Uh, upset like by this whole thing that happened at uni and I became very disillusioned with it and then then I read Marx and it was just all over um, <laughs> I'd say, I, I, and then I switched from gender studies to social theory so I could just write Marxist essays um, and uh, like I, yeah it was a total flip um, and then I joined uh, a socialist party and we like the contrast in how it felt to do that as opposed to campus queer activism was like, it was wild because all of a sudden I wasn't the most important thing that was happening, you know, like the, the, my, like my personal, like, uh, like, uh, like pu political purity mm. wasn't like this big concern that I was really worried about. And so we were uh, handing out leaflets on election day, trying to get uh, a socialist councillor elected to uh, the state government. Mm. Uh, and <laughs> like, 
<laughs> there was me and two friends and we we're all queer, like looking really gay. <laughs> like, I think it was like 2010. So we didn't still have neckerchiefs, but like maybe we did. No, but we looked really gay, really gay. Like, and it was summer, like gay, gay sluts. Yeah, we looked like gay sluts. Yeah. And, uh, and which is, uh, interestingly enough, because we were gay sluts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was one of those situations where if someone looked at us, they could definitely read that book by its cover because we were gay sluts. Um, I guess still are. And then also as yeah. well, yeah, just <clears throat> like it was, you can read the book by the cover, but the real question is, do you want to finger the pages? <laughs> that was good that was that was your best bad pun so far on this podcast <laughs> um and so then there was this guy uh who was handing out for the same people oh my god there was it was so weird that was <laughs> oh my god there was this party called the sex party and it was basically they were they they were very pro um uh like pro sex work obviously um and uh like and pro sort of like civil rights for minorities but like economically were more close to the conservatives uh than the labor party so like they kind of conflated the interests of the bosses and the workers in the sex industry um so uh and so uh like it that was a problem uh and and it like kind of convinced a lot of people because Australian politics is so toxic. It convinced a lot of people to support this party that had some pretty dodgy economic policies. But anyway, uh, there was this guy, this really bizarre guy who was handing out flyers for the sex party. And he started t- saying to me like, yeah, well, I'm actually the owner of a legal brothel. <laughs> like, and I was like, the way you said legal is like, I actually own a legal brothel. <laughs> and it was like, you are so gross. It was like, he was bragging about the fact that his brothel isn't illegal. Like, it was, it was weird. Um, but um, uh, so he he was quite a character. Um, but then he um, there, there was this other guy who, who was handing it up for the same for the socialist party, so the same group that we were. And he was just like we we're talking about how disgusting the people in the Australian Labor Party uh, are because I like there is like there are many more evil people in the world, it's, and it's not productive or a correct opinion. But my hatred for the Australian Labor Party is unparalleled, um, and they're so fucking disgusting. Um, because just because, like, then because Australia, like, like Australia's uh, uh, refugee policies are like brutal, inhumane, and murderous, right? Like, like, and just my my adult life has just been uh, a progression. No, from from when I was ten, thirteen. It was like a steady progression of this like descent into total barbarousness. Like it's like outrageous. And then this is all done with the complicity and sometimes the active, uh, like active um, uh, collaboration uh, in this regime by the Australian Labor Party. And people say, but they're better than the liberals. And it's like, ask the children in the camps if that's true. (laughs) Because like, anyway, so we were talking about how much we hated the Labor Party and um, that like, especially the representatives from the Labor Party. And um, then uh, (laughs) then this guy goes, like who was in the Socialist Party was like, yeah, they're all just a bunch of faggots (laughs) to the three of us. 
Like, as I mentioned, three gay sluts yeah. who looked like gay sluts. Yeah. <laughs> not just gay, not just sluts, gay, gay sluts. sluts. <laughs> I can see and, and then, like, I can't remember which one of us said that, said, like, well, yeah, they're like fucking dickheads, but like, we, we would use a different word for that because we're all gay. Yeah. And then the guy goes, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I didn't mean that. Well, and then Azalea yeah. Banks popped up to when shut up. <laughs> Yeah, shut up, faggot. And we're like, she gets a pass. She's fine. She's cool. She's with us. <laughs> we all love if you want to. <laughs> um, and then um, we thought it was really funny because it was just like how gay we looked. And it was obviously like, he was not referring to them as being gay, but it, it was homophobic, but indirectly. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so we told someone else, like we we're laughing about it. And then it turned out what happened with this guy is that someone in the party pulled him aside and was like, what the fuck are you doing, you dickhead? You can't say that. And he was like, I know, it was a fucking, fucking mistake. And then it was done. It was dealt with. It wasn't even awkward afterwards. And I just couldn't have seen that happening in campus queer politics. Yeah. Like, because, uh, like, and I think that we have moved on a bit more because the left does exist more than it did 10 years ago. But, like, um, th- I think that was a model for, for dealing with a situation like that because he used, pro- like, probably the worst slur, I think, um, for uh, a homosexualist male um but like uh like we were there we had we were all there trying to do something together we had an like a goal which was to get this guy elected which didn't work um and uh like that was the most important thing and then how we treated each other was something that we needed to work on was important but it wasn't the end goal and i think this is consistently a difference is that like when you have an end goal that you're working towards, which isn't just about being good, then it's much easier to actually work on being good together. Yeah, no, completely. But it's also as well that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think definitely, I think that if you, because it's also, because otherwise, if you don't have this end goal, uh, then all you have is this moment. And therefore that's where this micro policing and this uh, comes into it because you can't actually say like, oh, well, there's going to be, this you know we're going towards this thing there's just this moment or something like that kind of and we all we all like are capable of uh uh putting aside things in the pursuit of something else but then when you don't have that something else then it's just kind of a bit like you're like well what then what 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 larger thing do i have to put aside put use to put this aside you know like for example i just did a show this week and then there was loads of things that stressed me during the show but i was just like i'm gonna put this aside until after the show like yeah. uh now of course i'm after the show and they're all there staring at me no um <laughs> <laughs> like no like um i think that uh yeah there's just um i think there's and this is the loss this is to do as well with the link with the uh with the linguistic loss within the left as well like you know the like the uh the the idea of the revolution for example was something people could do for this it was something that would put together and the people just have a faith in that but also as well the fact that mm-hmm. now that the idea of establishing communism means establishing stalinism and that's not something any anyone who believes in the dignity of, of people can uh can go for uh however once you've been a leftist for a while and you realize that actually some people are more dignified than others it becomes a little bit more appealing but hey 
<laughs> I said about that on the record. I said about that on the record. This is more of your latent Stalinism just bubbling through. <laughs> I, not my latent Stalinism. It's been developed uh, from the world, and I'm just like, give it to me. Give me the moustache and the hat, and I'm going to do it. Ha! I like. I think it's a bit of a like. It's a cliche by now to mention it, but like Stalin was really hot when he was younger. Like really hot. Yep. 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 And, uh, and so, and like, so if, it was Morrissey, <clears throat> and look where that ended up. Okay, which means Morrissey's just because such a loser. someone's just because someone's hot, just because someone's hot, does not mean they have good politics. That's really, really, really true. Yeah. Because remember, like, not like definitely not beating up on anarchists. I uh, like, but like, anarchists are hotter than socialists yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, and so aesthetically, I think anarchism is correct. But then politically, I think that uh, like socialism is correct, uh, <clears throat> which is not to beat up on anarchists. That's just my personal view. But uh, it's not. But, but it's not my personal about the politics. But it's not my personal view. It is an objective truth that anarchists are hot yeah, than socialists. Yeah, I want to beat up my butthole. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I oh my god! I went to it like when there was like these these post um, post uh, like G twenty. Uh, when there was the G20 meeting in Melbourne uh, in 2000, and I can't remember, and they uh, 2000 like and whatever, these... yeah, 2000 and whatever. Man. What are you, a brat but, uh... doll? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was denim involved th- somewhere. Was... Denim and crystals and a crop top. Uh, I think I had a crop top denim jacket, which goes back to right. the being a gay there slut thing go. before. Yeah. And. The, the, oh yeah, there was like these protests and then there were a bunch of people who were arrested after the protests and then, uh, so we we're going to the, to the courts <laughs> and like all these anarchists would show up in the courts and they would look so like breathtakingly beautiful with their like torn t-shirts and nose rings and beautiful haircuts that they'd done themselves and they just looked amazing, like so, so, I still remember this one guy actually. Like, and like, because he had so many holes in his shirt that he was like basically topless in the court. And I was just like, oh my God, you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen. (laughs) He still probably is. He also had a nose ring and it's just like, oh my God, he was so beautiful. Yeah. But like, yeah, like (laughs) someone once said like, um, like I prefer to fuck a uh, fuck an anarchist, but marry a communist. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> oh no 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 bring, bring the communist home to meet your parents I think that was uh, Which I don't think many parents want to meet a communist partner Yeah yeah. Well not many good parents No good parents No no All good parents want to meet a communist partner of their children Yeah but it's also because the family is a bourgeois institution So of course parents are aligned against communists Of course Yeah Although Yeah Like I don't know. I don't think my, my parents are not aligned against communists. Well, they like me. <laughs> uh, How does your, where does your mum stand on your communism or your communocratic leanings? My mum is, um, my mum is just someone who politically exists between many different, uh, conflicting situations and has to be adaptable to all of them, which is, um, which is that she has to, with my ranting uh, communism, uh, my Uncle Glenn's, like, uh, climate-denying process, like, my brother's, like, proletarian, like, uh, not, like, like basically, like, proletarian, like, dissatisfaction, um, 
and uh, also as well, like, the austerity policies of, like, Norfolk County Council and their process of, like, trying to make life uh, unlivable for people uh, or trying to, like, compromise on their duty whilst also working in, like, the emergency mental health services where they are forced to uh, confront... Um, uh, all of these, all of these things as well, and have to then, then also as well, has people's immediate process of these people having breakdowns and wanting to kill themselves, and then has to work with, the, and then has to find some way a compromise between uh, this the person having the breakdown, the police, uh, the medical staff, the various different offices, like has arguments on the phone with other people, other state workers who are just like. One of them who screamed at my mum, like, oh, so we're playing whose job is harder than whose now, are we? Which is not <laughs> something they projected onto it. Uh, which, all in all, uh, gave my mum a bit of a headache. <laughs> <laughs> For which she had migraine surgery. Ah. You can have surgery on your migraines. You know, Botox is often a last-ditch uh, uh, um, treatment for... Migrants, that's... which I have a headache, and so maybe my Botox is working. Yeah, definitely. What you're more... well, the thing is, what they do is they Botox a certain nerve in your forehead, and what happens is that nerve is frozen and it stops you from getting migraines. Uh, then you have a certain type of mechanical migraine, so you can have surgery to have that nerve removed. Uh, is that what happened with your mum? Yeah. I imagine them having open brain surgery, and so I guess that's actually quite... Yeah. Oh, but so how's that going? Is she better? Yeah, she got much better, but she also had to have it. It's like some people have it at one point, some people at uh, two, like really bad cases at three. She had it at six points. Oh, so she has some serious migraines. Has some serious mi- Yep, serious migraines. Migraines, in fact, migraines are uh, an aspect of women's health that's neglected. They affect AFAB people one to three times, like three times more than they do uh, AMAB people. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that then when people are transitioning, if they then start getting migraines, if it's hormone or anything, but people don't understand it, but it's a very, it's a very differential. I could understand it being a stress thing, right? There's many different elements by which it comes together and stuff like that. But like, uh, but yeah, like, uh, uh, yeah. So if you are getting like, if you're problematic, if like all the fucking problematic people in your life are giving you a headache, go get Botox. And if it works, get surgery. But first, get Botox. <laughs> oh my god, that is an excellent point to leave this. <laughs> wow, great! And that was the and that right. that was the problematic theme of headaches. Yeah, problematic headaches. Problematic headaches. Bada bing, bada boom, baby. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to discuss problematic headaches with you, Uzing Gloop. Uh, and it's also been a non-problematic privilege to have this conversation with you, Olympia. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you very much, dear listeners, for accompanying us on this difficult but ultimately very rewarding journey. Uh, and we'll... Uh, send you know, us we'll... nudes. Yeah, send us nudes. Share... Um, it, share this in your Instagram stories. It's really helpful. Yeah. And uh, you will hear from us next week. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye.